Hey everybody and welcome to a specially hot and melty edition of the Sunny 16 podcast uh, brought to you or sustained uh, at least uh, by many cans of cider and bottles of cider I think just to keep us all cool it's the hottest day of the year here in the UK uh, I've been melting uh, Graham I, I have this picture of Graham now right that he uh, you know when uh, cartoon characters get struck by lightning and they just stand there like just uh, brown and slightly smoking. <laughs> this, this is how I imagine you from having been out in gardens the last few weeks, mate. How are you doing? Uh, you're not far off, to be honest. It's it's rough. I mean, I love being outside and you'd think that of anybody, I would be kind of well suited to being out in the weather because it's what I do, but this hot weather just kills me. Um, and I, I'm drinking more fluids than is probably healthy. And still, it's just boiling my brain out there. But fortunately, I don't feel quite as roasted tonight as I did last night. Last night, I just came home and wanted to put my head in the toilet, keep flushing it repeatedly to cool myself down. But I'm a bit better tonight. And as you said, Aid. I'm self-medicating with cider, so it's all good. <laughs> okay, well, good, good to know that you're sort of surviving. So uh, we've, uh, just in case it's slightly cooler up north, we've also got a marvellous guest on for this evening. Uh, this is somebody who's been on the show a couple of times before and even co-hosted it. Uh, Rachel, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Uh, also rather warm, at least we have... The, uh, the cooler air off the Mersey up here. So uh, I think it's perhaps a half a degree, maybe, um, cooler up here, thankfully. <laughs> hey, quick quick question, guys. Am I the only one that's topless? <laughs> uh, no. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Rachel, come on, the minute. <laughs> You're letting the side down here. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> well you know we like to paint we may be an audio podcast but we like to paint pictures with words (laughs) Uh, yes uh, i'm glad that you're part of the equality uh movement here you know (laughs) (laughs) okay all right let's let's get straight down to it because you know uh who knows how long it'll be before any of us pass out either from too much heat or too much (laughs) cider um it's a bit of a race as far as i'm concerned uh rachel you are one of the reasons you've come joined us today is that you've just been on an awesome trip of a lifetime adventure type thing uh where have you been um i went to shanghai in china it was absolutely amazing um uh, it was just a week um went to stay with um some friends and had a wonderful time um just literally wandering the wandering around the street seeing all the uh, all the wonderful sights and smells and uh, you know everything that there was to offer really that it sounds it sounds amazing and i'm quite envious because i got some friends who moved away from my neighborhood uh they they moved to burnley <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> burnley uk yes yeah there's, there's, okay. there's, hopefully there's only one <laughs> So, have you been to Shanghai before, Rachel? No, I've never been before. I've never been anywhere um, like that at all. So it was uh, it was a completely new experience for me. Um, absolutely, you know, fascinating. It's a very colourful uh, city. Um, it was actually a lot more western, uh, westernised than I'd expected. I was saying to 
eight just before that when I was walking past a gap in a Holland and Barrett I thought well that's that's an interesting uh, addition to Shanghai that I wasn't expecting you know um but it was it was fascinating seeing the the, the real contrast of cultures and arch- in terms of architecture and what have you that that are over mm-hmm. there um the modern and the very old traditional beautiful temples as well so uh, it was uh, totally fascinating I think one of my favorite things was um walking around the the parks because they've actually got lots of lovely green space in Shanghai which I hadn't expected either and uh one of them's called People's Park and it's uh it's it's just got everything happening there they've got you know six different saxophonists standing in a line playing completely different tunes at the same time (laughs) Um, great it's a real melee uh, for the senses shall Mm. we say um and uh yeah it's just wonderful and the other thing that i found really fascinating was that uh, we, we we thought that maybe whenever a group of the old um, Chinese um, uh, people uh, gather in one place, music just starts to emanate from them. <laughs> uh, they all start dancing uh, because wherever there's like a bigger, slightly bigger group of uh, of people around that gathered in the parks, there's just music and they're dancing and waltzing, ballroom and all sorts of amazing things. Uh, and you can just go and stand and watch that for, for hours, really. Um, it was wonderful. Sounds like just a really nice place to be. Mm. Um, so we obviously have to ask the all important photography related questions. What gear did you end up taking? Because you're going quite a long way, and I'm guessing you wanted to travel reasonably light. Um, what yeah. did you take with you? Yeah, so uh, I was having a bit of a crisis because I thought I'd actually got an extra week before we were due to go, and suddenly um, I was going in two days and I hadn't sorted anything out, hence my email to you guys when you were, I think, talking to M. You had him on the show and you um, read out my email um but i was ask, asking for your advice on the on the which gear to take but uh unfortunately by the time uh, i heard the episode i was over in china and i can't get on twitter instagram any of that <laughs> so uh, i entirely missed it unfortunately so i just had to go with my my gut and as you said uh, graham it was about what was going to be traveling light so i ended up going for um my voigtlander veto 2 because um, oh, it's that's... in its little case um and uh, and one of my slrs which was my olympus om10 and i thought that gives me my two options for what i can cover with that uh, without i did i did really want to take a tl i did want to take a medium format um but at the end of the day i just didn't have the space in in my hand luggage like for it and i thought there's no way that's going in the hole so <laughs> um so yeah so i went with the i went with the 235 mil uh, in the end you, you've got some pictures up on your website already at littlevintagephotography.co.uk. Um, you've got the colour pictures you shot up already. Yes, yes. What, what film did you shoot them on? Because I, I really like the tones in there. Oh, bless you. Um, yeah, I shot it on one of my last roles of discontinued Fujifilm Superior. <laughs> yeah, it's, yep. it seems um, to really suit it because the reds in it, are, are Fuji are great with reds. Um and this was, um, the, the pictures, anybody listening should absolutely go and check these out because they are great. I'm looking at, I think it's the first picture you've got on there. And it really sums up what you were saying about Shanghai in a lot of ways. You've got this lovely old building. I have no idea what it is. It, it looks like an, uh, an Oriental pub, um, but it probably is. But that's it was it actually like. part of the gardens. They're called uh, U Garden. It was called, and uh, on the way to it, there was a what they call the zigzag bridge. And 
my God, there was no way we could get across the bridge in one go. It took about half an hour. And I mean, this bridge was only perhaps 30 feet long if you were traveling straight across it. But because everybody stood on it, taking photos on their selfie sticks, it took us about half an hour to get across this bridge. Um, also, my husband, Adam, has a, a big beard. So he was generally stopped everywhere we went for photos, like he was a celebrity <laughs> or something. So that was quite interesting. Uh, uh, they, you know, I just had old women throwing themselves at him <laughs> on <laughs> Dan's fund. Um, he thought it was great. But uh, yeah, it was a, an interesting experience. Um, so yeah, the temple that you're looking at in that first shot is from from the Yew Garden um, and then obviously there's one of the huge skyscrapers behind it and I don't know if you can see just off to the, the left in the mist uh, yeah. there's one called the Pearl and that's uh, that's got the sort of like two ball parts of that which is uh, a really interesting looking sort of shape it's quite an iconic um, uh, Shanghai building really yeah it's, <clears throat> it's interesting actually because I saw that and I thought do you know what the standard photograph of that building I think is from the other side of the river because it's on the yeah. riverbank isn't it and it's at night and it's all lit up and it's yep. yeah uh, yep. yeah it's um it, it's nice to see it in a, a slightly different setting <laughs> I, I really enjoyed uh seeing all, all the people walking around in red because there's obviously a lot of red uh over there as well and I think in that shot especially there's maybe like four or five different people all wearing one two three four six people wearing red because uh, obviously it's it's basically a, a you know, lucky colour and a lot of their wedding dresses are red as well and things over there. We saw saw quite a few people having sort of uh, shoots along the Bund and what have you. But um, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to try and steer clear of any of the very standard shots of the buildings you're supposed to get, you know, images of. Um, and, uh, you know, concentrate a little bit more on on the people or, um, or what have you from a slightly different angle. So thank you, Aid. That was very nice of you to say. <laughs> Other than obviously emailing us, which is clearly the way to get all your information, <laughs> did, not, did you do much research before you went over there? I mean, I suppose having a friend already over there really helps get an itinerary together. But did you have a look online and go, oh, OK, this is somewhere I'd really like to go or these are some places which look really cool to photograph? Or did you just kind of go, well, I'm here. Where are we going? And grab what I can the second <laughs> very much so <laughs> I uh, like I say I thought I had an extra week and that was uh, entirely wrong so I had two days and lots of projects to finish before we went so I was I was sort of working up until about 11 o'clock the night before and then suddenly was like right you're gonna have to get on a plane now I haven't thought about it um, at all um, so uh, th my my one concession to that was grabbing the film and deciding on which two cameras I was going to take and narrowing that down um, to, to planning about as far as it went um but i think actually one of the best ways of getting a vibe for the city that you're in is just to go walk, wander around walk the streets and um just be there and and spend a little bit of time immersing yourself in it rather than going necessarily um oh yes we've got to go and see this point and we need to make sure that we cover that and what have you i mean it's fine obviously having an itinerary and depends on what works for you but i think personally for myself i like to just wander around and uh, and see what's happening and get a little bit of a, more of a feel for the place before i go out and shoot um shoot there as well <clears throat> did that answer your question sorry <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. i mean there's obviously there's lots of people there lots of tourists mm. um and lots of people with cameras and stuff there did you get a chance to go and nosy out any of the local camera shops or, or, 
what's the um, photography scene like in Shanghai? Is there any sort of analog movement there? Um, I know. I, yeah, I I really wanted to find a camera while I was over there. It was like, okay, that would be lovely if I can find a camera that I can say, yeah, bought that in Shanghai and brought it back. You know. It, go in the collection the ever-growing collection um and uh and that that would be really nice but actually i i didn't find any uh there any analog cameras at all um i was just uh having a little think about what um film photography uh sort of like um environment that i'd found there and there was one uh place that i remember seeing a sign for which had got a picture of a tlr on it and and a 35 mil slr um and uh, and i was like oh fantastic cameras finally um and our friend who we were with, we were with was like no we don't go down that street <laughs> so i was thinking oh. oh okay and he's lived there a year so i i you know trusted to his better judgment shall we say but uh but yeah my curiosity very nearly perhaps got me in some difficult waters so uh it was probably for the best but um you know that's obviously the way to draw in people like me there's some excellent old vintage cameras i'm there <laughs> Um, little did I know uh, it was not a street to go down so there we go you say you may not have to go down that street but I mean looking across these photographs I mean you've got photographs of what look like residential areas photographs mm -hmm. of, uh, of some you know some uh, you know more uh, I don't know sort of industrial areas and then photographs lots of photographs of the parks as well so it seems like you've covered a fair amount of ground while you were there it's a big city, yeah, definitely, um, and uh, it was it was a lovely kind of like I say the, the contrast is is excellent. There's uh, a few of the images I think you'll see are from the uh, area called the French French Concession, um, and that was really lovely. I mean the, the sort of like tree lined streets, um, definitely. Uh, they they actually had uh, apparently torn down. A, the vast majority of the original um, buildings and then suddenly kind of got to the point where they thought oh maybe we should protect some of these original sort of um pieces of architecture so there's i think only maybe two or three uh points in shanghai where you can see the original residential architecture if you like it, you know a bit like the projects would be in in new york or what have you um so it was it was good to go and have a little wander around and see those places that maybe if we weren't there with somebody who knew the place we might not have seen you know um so that that was lovely actually to do that uh, there's a beautiful art deco uh, cinema which uh, i think i've got a shot of that up the mm. cafe um that that was lovely and actually one of my other favorite ones i was really pleased that came out was one that i shot inside in one of the workshops um and there's a girl actually making uh, a piece of jewelry um and this was inside actually one of the department stores because there's loads of malls and department stores everywhere there um uh, which is uh, was quite a surprise to me but as part of this one particular department store they had uh, a maker space an actual sort of like we would have here and like where i have my office currently um uh, it was it was lovely to see all of the the tools out and basically you could go and buy buy the um, the wares that they were producing or make your own personalize your own working with leather and silver and materials metals and things so um, <clears throat> I wanted to get a few shots of them actually busy concentrating on that so uh, I was quite pleased with how that one came out I That's think I'll blow that one up use that one uh, maybe at um, the my makerspace on the docks here that would be that'd be good. 
So, so was this again still shooting using the um, Fuji Superior? Yep, this this uh, all the color stuff that you see there. I think there's about, only about eighteen shots or something, but um, yeah, that's all shot on the Fuji um, Superior. Yeah, and it was it two hundred. Yeah. yeah. Wow, how on earth? Because I mean, the light levels in there can't have been that high. How did you manage to handhold it at whatever that needed to be? Yeah. Uh, I, I had like one arm on part of the uh, part of the furniture in the room, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't actually take a tripod with me. To be honest, I just thought it's going to slow me down. I'd rather I'd rather go with handheld. I mean, you can see probably in uh, the one below that was in um, also in a mall. It's not particularly well lit, unfortunately. I've got a big light spot on Adam's nose, uh, but the mm. colours on the wall were were awesome, and I just loved how they they obviously disappeared behind him. Um, so. So uh, that was actually in Yang's uh, dumplings, um, and it, it's honestly, if you if you go to Shanghai, that is like the place to go for your lunch. It was absolutely insane trying to like order lunch, but it was wonderful once you got it. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so that was all. They were all handheld, um, uh, but yeah, a little bit blurry. Um, some of them, some of them, but I tried my best. <laughs> I'm amazed. I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm guessing these were all taken with the Olympus. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean they're they incredibly sharp considering that you must have been um, fairly low shutter speeds and um, yeah, nonetheless yeah, um, still far um, sharper than I ever managed to get with anything. I think it was about quarter of a second. Oh, I think. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was literally just sort of like lean on something, get some stability with that, um, and try and do it sort of like sneakily. Uh, at least in the bookshop, I had piles of books to balance it on. <laughs> right, yeah, that can the... be useful. Yes, yeah, the bookshop ones. I noticed that. So, um, uh, and as we were discussing just before we hit the record button, you managed to find the kinky bookshop with the mirrors on the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, it's uh, you can see over the tops of all the other bookshelves as well, and they've kind of got like almost like little Diagon Alley kind of thing, you know, from Harry Potter that kind of vibe to it. So you you can wander around little alleyways actually within the bookshop itself, and this is all within the department store. Um, it's got the mirrors on the ceilings, but also lining the bookshelves, you've got the old um, traditional sort of Victor- but more Victorian lights. Um, so it's almost like you're walking down streets of books um, with uh, reflections of, on the ceiling as well. So it was a, a lovely place, obviously a photographer's paradise, really, to, uh, to find somewhere like that. It's lots of fun. That looks awesome. It looks like a fairly huge bookshop as well. It was enormous. <laughs> yeah, I could have been there for hours. They have uh, very different covers as well. There were some beautiful uh, book covers. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, lots of old stuff, obviously old cameras, uh, but old books as well. And um, they have uh, they have some lovely different editions. Unfortunately, they're all in Mandarin, so I couldn't read any of them. But, uh, but I was sorely tempted to buy some just simply for the beautiful covers. Uh, that's very cool. It sounds like you had a really fantastic trip there. Is it somewhere you'd recommend people to go? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I mean, there's there's a couple of um, you know sort of like the more tourist things that you probably would want to go and do. To to be honest, I mean, we were only there a week for a week, which it's a long way to go for for just a week. But um, didn't want to outstay our you know our welcome, shall we say? Um, uh, and just it was it was enough time to kind of get a sense of the city. But there was a lot that obviously we didn't get a chance to see. So um, I would I would definitely go back again, uh, and I'd recommend anybody you know go over there, just explore, just wander wander the streets. I think uh, to get. A- 
um be aware that the roads are pretty crazy <laughs> uh, it's not quite like here and even when you're on the pavement you've got bikes coming past you know like motorbikes and all sorts of stuff it's uh it's an interesting interesting city uh, old and new and uh, lots to see parks and architecturally and uh, uh, and people watching i think if you're especially into people watching and street photography which is something i've I've been trying to get better at and trying to do more of because it's never really been my my thing. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful place to sort of start with that. I only took my I did take my digital camera as well, um, and I only took that out literally on the last day because I felt so bad that I hadn't taken it out at all. Um, and we went up, up Shanghai Tower, um, and I thought actually I haven't got a lens on my my analog ones that's going to be able to capture any of this so i will take my digital for that um and at the top of shanghai tower a camera they had they had um display uh on at that point in time which was uh, of all the old uh, retro pieces of furniture and old tvs and there was just like a pile of old uh, analog tvs when you got to the top of the shanghai tower it was the most bizarre thing and then in some cabinets around the other side there were um some old uh, old vintage cameras analog cameras so uh, i can't get away from them they follow me everywhere <laughs> <laughs> which right. is lovely strange place to take it somebody must have carried all of that stuff up there as well i know, so. I know. <laughs> okay they well. have an express elevator and it was it was honestly one of the, the smoothest things there was that i couldn't tell at all that we'd traveled up goodness knows 300 floors or something crazy um in about 10 seconds uh apart from your ears popping that was a strange sensation <laughs> yeah we got some of that when we were in new york actually it is popping yeah. uh, it's quite it's quite amazing how far some of those things can go it's, yeah. it, i don't know whether it's scarier that they go up up so quickly or that they go down so quickly <laughs> yes <laughs> i think down's scarier <laughs> yeah. cool less well thanks very much for coming and sharing a, a field report from the from the far east no less our chinese oh. correspondent um thanks for yeah uh, stick stick with us for the rest of the show uh we've got the the the, the usual eclectic mix of, of analog photography goodness uh, right after this break okay We had to have a little break there because uh, Rachel's stories from China made us all a bit thirsty and we had to get a bit more cider. Uh, But now it's time for some, well, I guess some news, I suppose, really. Uh, Graham, can we have some news, please? Uh, Yeah, the first bit of news that we have got is the um, tin-type drone that I heard about from you on Twitter. I managed to make it. Well, I didn't make it to Twitter. I saw one of the emails that Twitter sent me. this is crazy. You you guys both were familiar with this before I was, so you're probably better people to tell us about what's been going on with this, but a tin-type drone. A tin-type drone. Let's just, yes, uh, So sometimes it does us good, even though it's radio, to just pause a moment and consider what's just been said. A tin-type drone. Okay, that's long enough pause. Um <laughs> <laughs> How on earth, right? Because I don't know much about tintypes, so I'm going to ask Rachel for some comment in a minute. But um, how on earth do you get all the equipment necessary to do tintype photography and attach it to a drone? And and it's unless it's an elaborately staged hoax, uh, there are photographs, uh, and this this has been covered in a, in a lot of uh, uh, photography websites and news sites. But at the moment, I'm particularly looking at it on Petapixel. 
Um, uh, and there is a, a photograph, or is it? Is it even called a photograph, or is it just called a tintype, which shows these guys who are engineers and drone people, uh, a photograph of them uh, from the sky with the shadow of their drone in the shot so that you can tell it's really a drone, unless it's an elaborate hoax. Um, uh, Rachel, what sort of thing would they have had to have on that drone? Goodness me. Um, uh, well, I think that the main difficulty is obviously because it's because it's um, uh, using collodion. So it has to be done whilst it's wet. So you'd have a very, very um, small amount of time between pouring the the actual collodion onto the tin itself, putting it into the dark side, getting it into the back of the camera, sending it up into the air, taking that shot and then getting it back and developing it whilst it's still wet. So yes. that, I, I don't know how many times they did this to, to get that shot, but I can only imagine that most of them would have would have been, you know, dried by up by the time they got back down to earth, especially if they, where were they shooting? It was in the US somewhere, in Nashville, was it? Um, yeah. So I can only imagine it was even hotter there as well. Um, it looks like it's pretty, pretty warm. And you also... Um, when it's when it's very warm, you get something called creping. Uh, when you pour the collodion onto the tin or onto the glass, if you're making an ambryotype, um, which gives it that kind of um, slightly crinkly look. You get the sort of lines, diagonal lines across it. I don't know if you've seen them on other um, wet plate photography. I imagine that they would have been quite um, quite difficult to prevent happening as well. So uh, so yeah, that would be. That would be quite a challenge, shall we say. But I love it. I mean, this is like nuts, right? <laughs> to try and do something like this. And that's always thing, got to be a good thing. <laughs> the other thing with it is, aside from the fact, that, as you were saying, Rachel, it says here they got five minutes from um, pouring the plates to when the shutter needs to click. So five minutes. Yeah. But also they needed to get a camera, a tin type camera, which is quite a large thing anyway, um, stable enough for an exposure with one tenth of a second um so that's for a drone that needs to be sitting real still up in the air um yeah so yeah i think i'm not sure whether the camera that they've actually used i think they've built it themselves out of um like quite a light wood uh let's have a quick look yeah i think they say balsa wood and glue which makes sense because uh, obviously that's much lighter so easier to manipulate you know rather than trying to get you know, Ronald up in the air. <laughs> um, can you imagine? You need it off a, off so that's I, that's a good point. That's a good great. point. I would imagine their 135 millimeter Schneider lens might, might have weighed something. <laughs> so they, they've basically sent a large format. They basically attached a large format camera to a drone. Uh, stuck a load of dodgy chemicals in it, <laughs> and then and then and then flown it, um, and not blown it up, which is impressive. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that it, it is very impressive. Um, I, I quite quite why they would choose to do this, I have no idea. But it looks like from the photographs on the website, it looks like I know negative is not quite the right word, but it looks like the the material they shot on is roughly a four by five size. Uh, I think so that you've basically sent something that is the equivalent or maybe the aeronautical equivalent of Ronald <laughs> up into the sky <laughs> yeah it's brilliant I mean it's one of those things that you know the, the reason of why have they done it is well because it seemed like a good idea <laughs> and so they just thought they tried I mean anybody just making tin types full stop I am already in total awe um, because the process is 
such an incredible faff and all the chemicals and everything like that. I would, I would love to have my picture taken as a tintype, um, and maybe one day have a go at learning how to do it. But I mean, that alone is amazing. But then adding in the fact that oh, we're going to do this with the drone as well, and an, an aerial picture with a tintype. Ah, I love it. I just love people out there doing crazy stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah, def- definitely, it is. Well I done think, to them, and let's hope we get yeah. more of it. Absolutely, that was uh, brilliant. I I thoroughly enjoyed seeing that pop up on my timeline. That's great. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, there we go. So moving on, something not quite so impressive. Um, I oh dear, oh dear. Um, li- li- listeners might remember that last week I got uh, a- another lecture from Graham, as as I occasionally do, about not having a, a genuinely pocketable thirty five mil camera to carry around with me. And so after the show last week, what did I do? But I bowed to that peer pressure. <laughs> I don't know. This, this bloody podcast cost me a fortune. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I know. I know. For all our jokes about world domination through this podcast, mostly it seems to me that I see, I'm, I'm funding every man in the world who wants to sell old cameras and things like that. But there you go. Anyway. Um. Anyway, so I bought and 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 it, it, by the way, it arrived ludicrously quickly. Like I bought it one evening, and it arrived the next afternoon or something like that. Yay! Oh. Uh, I bought off of eBay. I bought a small pocketable thirty-five mil camera, and uh, I was so impressed by what Graham had been talking about that I actually bought a, a Minox thirty-five mil. Oh. Tiny, tiny thing with a little foldy door on the front. We've all got one now. <laughs> oh, you've got one as well. All oh, right, cool. Yeah. The thing so is, cool. Just to give an example of how pocketable these cameras are, I put on a pair of my shorts that were just lying around on the floor this evening. Like, I'll just throw these on, you know, have a shower. And some people find like five pound notes in their pockets. I was like, what's that? Oh, it's the Minox. The Minox was just left in my pocket <laughs> because it's so small. You just so you know, forget about it being there. Ah, that's awesome, dude. That is really awesome. Um, and have you been out playing with it already? I have. I've 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 shot a uh, a whole roll of thirty six actually, and it uh, um and I had to do it pretty much twice, uh because the first time I did it, I got up to about forty forty one before I realised that it hadn't quite caught properly. (laughs) (laughs) Classic error. It it is a classic error, absolutely. So it has it has this funny little pinch mechanism in the 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 loading side in the take up side um and and although it had pinched something must have been pressurizing it wrongly or something but it didn't really um it didn't uh, wind on when i wound it on uh so uh, yeah so after after uh having tried really hard to to shoot rather quickly a bunch of test things uh, shots uh, I then had to go and do it all again, but I have got it through, and it's off. It's gone off to the lab. I took it down to my local boots. I, I was going to give it the one-hour treatment. Part of the mm. rush for this is is not just because I wanted to test it, but because it's on a fourteen-day returns policy for the eBay vendors. <laughs> ah, I see. So I wanted to get something through it quickly uh, and understand whether it actually worked. Um, uh, was it all lighting up okay? Uh, it did so. I, I put two or three sets of batteries in it. Uh, it takes um, whatever, whatever, whether you get the doubles or the quadruples or whatever. It basically takes four LR44s. 
Um, and so it, I, once I put in fresh batteries and I'd read the instruction manual, and it said press the check button and the needle's supposed to go up. The needle on mine goes down rather than up. <laughs> I, just, I chose to ignore that uh, because it seemed to be registering exposure reasonably well um, in the viewfinder uh, when I was using it. Uh, so hopefully it works. Uh, the only thing that I found quite disconcerting, and if you two have both got them, you can advise me on this. Um, there was very little spring in the shutter button. The shutter. Yeah, the shutter button's a weird one, isn't it? Uh, it's very cute and very small, but yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, you don't feel so like you're taking that it. Too. No, and, yeah. and it makes this really sort of weak and feeble noise. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really make the noise of a shutter, you know, a, you know, no. a crisp shutter. It's a sort of more a sort of floppy sound as if you've pressed the button and bits of the inside have fallen off in just Com- fatigue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> compared, compared to an SLR, when you're used to those shutters, it does feel like, hmm, this is not doing the job but i have to say it's a better shutter than the one on the lca which i bitched and moaned about some time ago um and because it, although it's quite a, you know a gentle pick and there's not much going on there but at least it's got very little travel on it you, know, you don't have to push it down the mile for it to fire um and i certainly prefer the shutter on this to the shutter on the lca or the shutter on the olympus trip as well um but yeah it is quite a a gentle little thing but you just yeah very quiet um i quite yeah, like uh, other quiet. than that good I little was... spy camera good little um <laughs> yeah. which which sounds bad doesn't it uh like the street photography obviously it's uh it's good for that because, yeah it'd be, good uh, for that. It'd be quite discreet it would do uh it certainly fit in my pocket nicely uh it is it is pretty small um it sounds um uh it, it's a similar size actually to my little olympus tough digital camera my waterproof one that i you know taking in the sea and stuff like that um uh so it really is you know cigarette packet size uh other other than the shutter button actually i was reasonably impressed by its robustness i mean the little door on the front feels uh, and that sort of also is linked to the lens popping out mechanism that feels fairly sturdy um yeah the the, there wasn't any give or, or or um any travel on on the dials the focus dial or the aperture dial so um you know it is the only thing i would say uh, slightly against it is that shutter and possibly the fact that as as uh, uh, we were talking about a few minutes ago uh, of course it's um it's there's no uh, it's manual focus but zone focusing so i just have to go with it and see what happens well actually what is the term for that it's not zone focus is it because it's got a clearly marked focus scale on the lens and a clearly marked depth of field for, uh, scale on the lens so what's that that's not called zone focusing is it what's it called i think it's just focusing it's not through the lens focusing though is it it's just it's all yeah as you said you've got all the got all the um distances on there but it's not coupled with anything so um it's it's yours um and yours too Rachel. the the double crank thing on the um film winder twice yeah you kind of have to push it across and then again in order for it to kind of do a little click thing so that yeah it goes back i'm just it's been a little while since i've um since i've used mine actually so i was just trying to remember but i do remember there being something strange with the wind on mechanism yeah yeah it is mine's like mine's like that too it's it's definitely it's a it's a double wind um yeah to to get it on i i guess i don't know they just not geared or maybe they didn't have enough room in the casing for for all the gears to make it work yeah. on, on a single stroke it's very small so perhaps that is part of the engineering of the of the unit anyway 
Yes. So oh. I'm looking forward to finding what's back. There's some sad news associated with this. I took it down to my local boots to put it through the one-hour process, and they said, no, they took our lab away. Oh, no. Uh, and apparently oh. Boots are doing that all over the country now. They're taking lots of the labs away. This is the, I, I, I have no other news on that, no other fact on that, other than what the lad behind the counter told me. But he said, and maybe it's just reduced to our area, but apparently in all the Boots in, in our area, they've taken the labs away. They've left one, uh, which is in Guildford, which I guess you could say is the, the nearest decent-sized town. Um uh, so yeah, that was sad because um, I'm not that I used it very often. But I know Graham, you quite like to use your local boots, don't you? Well, I did. I mean, and that's the thing. I did use it for all of my color film developing. But since I got the um, C41 kit last year, I haven't used it at all. So I'm don't even don't don't that, don't don't tell me that I've got to do my own development. <laughs> it's real easy. It is real easy. Although see, it's always the developing's not the problem. The problem is then just doing this. Like I've got two sheets of negatives here since oh God, scanning it's yeah scanning since last it all. week oh. <laughs> um, but uh no so i'm i mean in some ways i'm quite glad that i've cut that cord because it, it was inevitable that it was going to happen i i don't know i was boots fairly recently because i'm always just calling by to see if they've got any cheap film going they never do um but it it did look as though all the one hour photo things had gone down from my local one as well so i suspect this is probably one of these things where there's going to be a very small number of number of centralized ones that are doing the one hour photo and then all the rest of the stuff is going to be getting sent to them as well so it's a shame because they were pretty much the last place doing one hour photos weren't they apart from a few you is there another one near you a little independent one that does it uh not that i'm aware of there was uh there's near the office uh that i work in in london there is a snappy snaps that still has a lab in it uh, a mini lab machine in it mm. um uh but other than that no it's it's it, it is getting rare i mean what what i'm seeing is happily though is that the, i think the the postal labs the ones that have stuck it out and, and have weathered it this far are actually doing okay so i sent um a couple of rolls off uh this morning and i did the the internet um ordering process for ag photo labs yesterday evening uh stuck them in the post today uh, but i noticed that my order number they, their order numbers come out with the date and then a slash and then a number and my uh, mine was slash 66 which might of course imply that i was the 66th order of the day mm-hmm. on, on a hot and sunny mm. sunday so you know i think so i think we are I mean, this this may be overly optimistic, but I think in the UK we're approaching a place now where those that are doing it are going to uh, have got sufficient, you know, critical mass of business to keep it uh, to keep it alive, um, which would be yeah. nice um, because I need them. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I very happily pay for lab services. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's so fairly safe to say that any any business that's set up in the last few years or or at least has re-geared for the last few years they've they have seen the bottom of the market at this point i think the bottoming out has happened and whilst it may not grow a great deal more than it is now but um it's not going to get any worse for them at least do you guys have uh labs in like your local asda or do you have max spielman down south i'm not sure if that's a nationwide uh, I don't know uh, the answer to either of those. Actually, um, there isn't an ASDA particularly near me, 
um the nearest mm. one's about 10 miles away um and uh, right. no, that brand i don't know i don't recognize that brand name because um some of some of the asters do have uh like a lab in them still and can do uh, potentially one hour ones and actually my Shanghai um, shots I was so desperate to get them back I took them just up to the Max Filman up the road from here um, and they process them on the app no problem um, for me so uh, so yeah so it's we have that option up north and like I say I'm not sure whether it's UK wide or not so yeah I've certainly seen Max Filman things around here it may, may well there is an as the nearest it may well have been there that i see it but uh i don't go in there little yeah. don't have a lab so i know nothing <laughs> so there are a few one-hour labs around but i guess it's like you say it's uh it's you know they're they are pulling them more now unfortunately they're gonna go away i think it's a fairly mm-hmm. safe bet that they're gonna go away because there's not enough um not enough traffic from the kind of people who are likely to use those one-hour labs because mm-hmm. most of the people are either going to be doing it themselves or sending it away to specialist labs to get it done. So it's not surprising. I think it was always inevitable that they were going to go away, but still a bit of a shame because it's it was nice having the convenience. I've got um, both of my boys have got rolls of film in um, cameras at the moment, which are probably going to take forever for them to get through. But I thought, oh well, once that's done, I'll take them to Boots and get them done there because then they'll have the prints. But boots aren't there that scuppers that idea (laughs) yeah yes it's interesting you let your boys uh to to shoot film um the the uh i i got up on uh this must be yesterday morning actually i got up and the kids are watching telly they got up themselves um my kids being five and seven at the moment and uh, they were watching a movie which was fine nothing wrong with that so i said oh yeah you're watching a movie um what are you watching and they said oh it was uh, alice in wonderland which is a favorite of my daughter's at the moment Oof. and i said oh right okay so who's paying for that then <laughs> and they went uh, and they said well Oh well, it, we we don't have to. It, it uses online money. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It was so good. It's just oh, the I, innocence of that is just brilliant, isn't it? It's uh, it, it is. Um, I and so yes, you must have seen it. You saw it on Twitter yesterday. Um, it did. Uh, yeah. I I I don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that my boy is innocent. I sat him down afterwards. I mean, I had a good <laughs> chuckle, and I was. It's the first time they've ever done it and you know i'm not going to get angry with them for three pound fifty but uh yeah i i thought to myself well okay i'm going to sit down i'm going to talk to him i'm going to try and find out whether he he knows or not and and i think um i i mean he, he clearly they know about money um you know they've learned they learned about money they understand that you have to buy things i don't had he really made the connection between uh, spending st- money online and did he really know about the mechanisms of credit cards that underpin that and how it eventually comes from my bank account he said not um, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt quite frankly <laughs> but I did say and that's just what I said on Twitter yesterday this is why I do not let my children shoot film <laughs> well I mean before I come across as some real great benevolent person um, they are shooting with plastic panoramic cameras and Poundland film so you know I mean I've really limited my exposure to um, cost here that's fair that sounds like a good way of doing it yes maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give him some of those cameras that you sent me in the post all that while ago and, <laughs> and I'll dig out some ad for uh, I'll dig out some Poundland film from the freezer and give them to the kids <laughs> 
<laughs> okay all right let's see then so that was my new pocket camera i'm looking forward to using it i'm going to wait until i get this film back see if it actually works before i go out and do anything sensible with it but um i'm pleased that i got a new camera am i yeah yeah i am pleased that i got this new camera and it will be useful um i don't think it's something i'll ever do serious photography on but it does have a hot shoe so i did i did spend a whole bunch of my test roll testing it with flash <laughs> so. uh, of course you would well i mean that'd be good i look forward to seeing your results i've actually got a little flash of mine when i bought mine it came with a little flash so Aww, um but i haven't cute. tried it yet yeah so um, I, no, I didn't get I didn't that know. i just stuck the um I, I just stuck the the radio the transmitter for for my good cameras on top of it, which the the little radio transmitter, albeit it's a it's one of these cheap Chinese Yongnuo ones, that was as big as the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the results, both from yours and my first roll. Cause you've you've got through a roll. Of, I have unsurprisingly, I'm halfway through my first roll. Um, but I don't when know. Did you I, get I, yours, Graham? <laughs> uh, oh i'm not sure whether it was this year or not <laughs> it, was, it was some time ago at this point um but you know i like to let things marinate um sure. you know you can't rush these things i, I think right. i'm not even sure what film's in there but i think it's slow film i can't remember it doesn't matter it'll be fine <laughs> Fortunately, it's DX coded, so it it knows what it's doing. Is it DX coded, or have they got a setting on it? I can't remember now. My, mine's got a little dial on the bottom. Yeah, there's a dial. Oh yeah, that's right. It's so what... upside down. Yeah, there you go. Apparently, it's got 200 speed film in it. As long as that hasn't moved, yeah, it's it's all fine. It's great. It'll be lovely. So yeah, I'll get that finished soon. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll have a quick break, and then Graham's going to tell us about. Uh, computer game. Yeah! <laughs> I was unaware that in 2017 it's possible to get an analogue film-based computer game. <laughs> Yeah, well, but but life is strange. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Graham, why don't you tell us what the hell you're talking about? Okay, I, I had to bring this up on the podcast because um, it was one of those really like, wait, what moments for me? So I, I enjoy video games. I get very little time to play them these days. Um, but just recently, I think it was um, it was a game that came free. Or the PlayStation, they have these free games every month, and um, usually they're garbage. But this one came up called Life is Strange, which I'd heard about before. And I thought, okay, I want to try this out. And it's um, an adventure game for anybody who's ever played video games. It's what sort of the adventure game style. So it's kind of more like a story with some light puzzle-solving. There's no great... You're not shooting bad guys or anything like that. Anyway... So I sat down, started playing this game, and had this realization that oh my god, this this game is um, like so aimed towards my interests. It's unreal because the main protagonist in the um, story is a photography student uh, who has a real um, fondness for shooting analog. Um, she's going around with her Polaroid camera um, and in the lab, in not in the lab, in the classroom, 
where they're having the lessons you can sort of wander around and have a look around and you, you even see things like there's a little sticker on the thing saying you know film versus digital and there's lots of little comments about shooting analog and um and it was just really interesting because the it was obvious that the people who had written and designed the game um had must have had a real interest in this uh, partly because of the uh, design work the the cameras although they weren't calling them polaroid cameras but uh they're clearly at one point shooting with one of the sort of classic rainbow star polaroid cameras and then that gets broken and the friend goes oh i've got one you, you know have this camera it used to belong to my dad and you think oh she's just going to get another of the same model because that's you know, how video games work but no it was clearly a spectrum model polaroid camera and um there was a comment at one point in the game where she goes um i love shooting instant film but it's just got so hard to find these days and so expensive i was like yep yeah, somebody made this game who is really plugged into the analog scene and um you could even sort of see that the although it was tucked away the packaging for the film looked very much like it was impossible project film um and it's just really rare to see something which um is so clearly so clearly made by and um the people who made it about analog photography or even photography in general um there's not many instances of things like that in media of any sort i mean can you guys think of any good examples where photography in general is a, a key part of any film or anything like that uh, in, a, in a modern sense you mean well in um, any sense yeah um, uh, rear window <laughs> It's oh, a classic film. <laughs> I've never seen that, but that's the one that oh. always comes up. Oh, well, there you go. It's my, my second favourite film of all time, so I would bring that one up. <laughs> um, but that's because he's a photographer. I think, actually, now you've been talking about this, Graham, I have also come across this video game and thought how, how wonderful it was. She's yeah. having conversations with her teachers, isn't she? Yeah, um, and she goes around. Yeah, it is. It is the same one, and and things change as you make decisions, and you know that kind of, um, that kind of thing of do you go over and do this or do you go over and do that and have that conversation, and and he's he, I think the first scene is where she's talking to her photography tutor and he's talking to her about uh, how he knows that she's got a lot more creatively, you know, to give than she's yeah. necessarily put in in that particular project or something and i was like yep that sounds familiar yeah that, that, <laughs> was, that was part of it yeah, that, yeah. That, there's quite a lot of comments about you know you, you need to put yourself out there you need to put your work out there so there was actually quite a few things just in terms of oh yeah there's a lot of actually quite good um advice here and and the um the mechanic of the game or the sort of the significant mechanic of the game is the fact that this sort of ability to rewind time and try things again. And this was a really good counterpart because when the, it's a, really at odds with the fact that she's shooting polaroid which of all the um photography media that's the one where you do not get to adjust anything you click that <laughs> just when you have the finished thing and um but uh oh i'm really glad you've seen it and checked it out did you check it out a eh? because i gave you the uh, information last week and i'm so you've had a whole week to go and look into it yes useless, <laughs> useless. anyway i was too busy um, doing the show notes <laughs> 
<laughs> um, it's yeah, it's it's uh, if you have any interest in video games, it's definitely worth just. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the game anyway. It was it was a really good story. It's um, it's there's five episodes, and I think each episode lasts about three hours. I think judging by the amount of sleep week yeah <laughs> um, and um it's good and it sort of turns into sort of a bit of a thriller towards the end um and it's yeah I, it was a good one of those i really enjoyed it and i definitely enjoyed it more for all the, the photography based stuff that it had in there because they were just it's like anything i suppose when there's a thing in there you go oh yeah i get that reference i get that it, it adds to it um so um yeah, I think it's on PC and it's um, on PlayStation Plus at the moment for free, anybody who has a PlayStation 4. Um, and I think you can get the first episode free on whichever thing you're looking at. But yeah, it's good. Did you play it all the way through, Rachel? Um, it was actually Adam, my husband, he had it. And uh, and I saw, I think, maybe the first two parts of it. But um, but we hadn't, hadn't got around to finishing it yet, unfortunately. But I, yeah. I, I think it's just a lovely nod to analogue. And like you say, you kind of go, oh, my God, they're actually using analogue photography as, as a, a major sort of tool within this story, and within this world. It was it was lovely to see. It really was. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get, get to the end of it. It goes some places well, by the end of it. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Exciting. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Well, so that's called Life is Strange then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, I mean, so having talked about a camera that I bought on a whim last week or maybe under some pressure last week, having uh, had a little, one of those little delivery company cards on my doorstep when I got home today to say, you missed the delivery. And I'm pretty sure it's my reality so subtle pinhole. <gasps> So hopefully I'll get that tomorrow. Um, I have actually, um, uh, I've actually been shooting loads and loads of Instax and no, not with the printer, uh, actually shooting with my Instax camera shooting. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. What's prompted this? Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, good question. Um, I figured there must be a way. (laughs) (laughs) I figured I figured there 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 must be and so I started looking into it and uh I uh well do you know what I started trying to learn how to use the camera uh, and um you know <laughs> seems like a good plan Oh uh, well why would you know <laughs> Well <laughs> when I mean, have you I'm ever just... sat down and tried to learn something <laughs> uh, I've definitely thought about it <laughs> Which, which camera do you have, Aid? So, so I, I have Remind the one me. that, in theory, is supposed to be the 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 flagship camera. It's the Instax Mini oh. ninety. Uh, but oh, I've it's never... the cool Neo one, right? Yeah, that's it's the, the one. Yeah, yeah. retro looking one. Very yeah. nice. But um, uh, as people who who uh, have listened for for long enough will know, I had a, an enormous rant about it. I don't know what six seven months ago, late late last year, after getting it and trying to use it and and feeling like I I couldn't rely on it at all to achieve anything. And do you know what? I I sat down and uh, I found a YouTube channel this week. Um, of somebody who's actually been through and done a whole bunch of testing and has written a f- uh, and done a few YouTube um, uh, videos. That's what they do on YouTube, isn't it? They're called videos. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, uh, some of them are about the film itself. Some of them are about how to use the camera and how to get good results. And um, and uh, this chap's name is Robert Ham. H A M M. 
uh, and so so have a look at some of his stuff on YouTube uh, now what did I learn well I learned that actually getting good things out of uh, good shots I should say out of an Instax camera is all amazingly counterintuitive uh, or you know or quite frankly it's all just a bit asked about face and I could no it's not surprising that you couldn't get it right or that I couldn't get it right I'm surprised anybody gets it right quite <laughs> frankly without actually understanding it because get this right do you know what the best mode is on an Instax camera to shoot portraits uh, p- portrait mode no, landscape <laughs> landscape macro mode <laughs> macro macro mode is the mode that you use to do to shoot portrait uh and yeah and you know how you get people's faces nicely bright and well exposed you use the darken setting <laughs> this, this all makes perfect sense i was i was gonna say don't use an instax but that's not, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there's definitely that so so i love my instax but yeah, they can be so challenging. I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that there is actually somewhere I can go that where it'll all make sense. <laughs> well, so this, I think this is about improving your probabilities rather than okay. actually being, um, you know, trustworthy, repeatable, consistent and coherent <laughs> performance. <laughs> um, Just uh, up in the odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's working it's in the odds. So, so it's things like, well, how do you make the sky go blue? Because pretty much every Instax shot I'd ever shot, uh, the sky was white. So how do you make it blue? And this guy knows how to make it blue. And that's pretty much worth a couple of minutes of a YouTube video for that alone. Yeah. But Is that without a, filters? Yeah, yeah. It's actually making the sky go blue. Go figure. So what you do, right? So if you're outdoors, you say, because, you know, let's face it, Instax is about fun, isn't it? It's not about yeah. quality. And let's say you're, at a, I don't know, it's it's a it's a nice time of year. It's Let's say you're at a barbecue. So it's sunny or, or somewhere bright anyway. Uh, and uh, you know you want to take photos of your friends or family or whatever it is so it turns out what you've got to do is a number of things first of all you've got to put it in macro mode and the reason for that with this particular camera is it shoots roughly it says the focus uh, the, the the focus point for that is for somewhere between 40 and 60 centimeters but because it's quite a wide angle lens actually to fill the frame with somebody's face you've got to be at that sort of distance anyway um, so right. that so so that's what that's how you get them sharply in focus. Uh, next, you darken it, and that's because what you want to do is you want to darken the ambient exposure, um, and and that's how you make the sky go blue. You put it in dark mode, and then it it you know takes a couple of stops or so off the exposure, and mm. that makes it go blue. You also have to shoot down sun. So, and Graham will know this because we've talked about this a number of times over the years. I tend to shoot a lot of my photography. photography into the sun i don't know why it's just a natural style that i've evolved without even thinking about it um i like people and things to be backlit and i'll fill in where necessary with with artificial light but i tend to shoot you know especially landscapes i tend to shoot with the sun in the frame and you can't shoot with the sun in the frame in instax because you get one of those little black dots where it just burns through the film but you need to shoot down sun so you need to have the sun behind you now that revolutionary you, uh, uh, yeah except that if you think about it when you think about shooting photographs the last thing you want is the sun shining on people's faces because you've got no control over the light have you at that point no no you're right you want it right behind them so that they're just shadows <laughs> um yeah i mean you can have a hard sell on this one i think dude all right okay let's move on the point is <laughs> is that pretty much everything i thought i knew about taking for you know a people 
pictures of people especially um uh, i needed to stop doing and just do it the other way around uh, so <laughs> yeah instax all kinds of wrong but i've got some really nice photos that i'm quite pleased with out of it so i have been shooting lots of instax and it's starting to go right because i've actually put in some effort to learn something <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Are you going to write a, a letter of apology to Fuji for all the terrible things you said about their camera? No, no, it's still a shit camera. If it, <laughs> if it was a good camera, I wouldn't have to do all that stuff, would I? Uh, I, well, I mean, in fairness, what you think, well, this camera works when I'm not just pointing it straight at the sun. I mean, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think they may be able to say, well, look, you know, try, try, you know, having it over your left so, shoulder. So you guys, I, I don't know about you, Rachel, but Graham, I know you're a fan of shooting slide film and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't shoot slide film. And so, and, and one of the things I'd read in my uh, researches and, and rambles recently is that actually Instax, because it doesn't have a particularly uh, broad um, dynamic range, you need to treat it much more like you would treat slide film. I don't know if that resonates with you guys at all, because as I say, I don't shoot slide. So. I don't either, Aid, I'm afraid. Um, just kind of negative for me. I think it's, so we're it's, all looking to Graham. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things that with slide film, you, I won't use slide film often in a a, a way of metering because you do want to at least try and get it pretty close. Whereas when you're shooting color negative or black and white, quite frankly, you know, it's like putting a blindfold and throwing them darts um, because it's so forgiving. Um, but you you do need to be close because it it just doesn't have that wiggle room. And yeah, I've certainly found that with the um instax stuff as well it's a couple of weeks ago when that whole morris dancing um shenanigans was going on my partner took her little instax camera out with her to get some pictures and because she doesn't use it very often she forgot to change the settings on it so it was set for shooting indoors and so at the first few uh, and also she wasn't looking at the pictures closely enough to um evaluate as she was going along so the first couple of pictures were just overexposed because um it whacked too many stops on for it so yeah you it, it's um it is just that thing of the it, it's far less forgiving um whereas with, co- with color negative and black and white you you can get away with absolute murder with both of those films they really are so so forgiving hmm. okay the, 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 the only one, last thing i would say on this instax is that actually uh, there is one way you can control the light and that is to shoot indoors and it's to shoot with proper lighting equipment um uh all set into optical slave mode so you can stick uh, a fl- uh, speed light in an umbrella on a light stand and use your instax camera to take shots with that um that uh, sounds really portable <laughs> <laughs> all right go out with the that, kids with that <laughs> fair enough fair point fair point but <laughs> Anyway, I just thought I'd share that I've been trying hard no, to learn how to use the Instax camera, and I'm I'm still not a I'm still not a fan of the camera, uh, but uh, at least I, I have learned some workarounds. Let's say. No, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I want to get some more film for my um, Instax wide because I haven't used that for a while. I want to get out and play with it. Um, I'm I'm trying to decide so next monday i'll, I'll be running late next monday fyi um because next monday is the right. annual... i won't be here at all next monday <laughs> oh, okay that, that will make it easier then imagine uh... the show on my own next monday <laughs> yeah, sounds Quite like possibly, really. yeah sounds like um uh is the um annual bike meeting the big bike meeting oh is it that uh, this week is it all oh, right cool yeah that's it's come around so fast that's yeah it has really yeah fast. 
Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to take for that this year? Because you know, this will be the th- fourth year I think that I've been to it, um, and uh, it, the, the problem is that the cameras I can't think. Oh, it'd be cool to take that. Um, you know, like get something big, get some good medium format stuff going. But I think I have to carry this thing there on my back because I'm, you know, I'm going to have to go on my bike and lug this round. And if it's hot like it has been this week, that that will be unpleasant. Um, but I did think it might be quite nice to actually get some instant stuff going there. Maybe take my Instax wide there um, just to get some, you know, get something different from it. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm also tempted to finally try and get around to putting the light seals into my little canon ql17 um and using that because that's really a nice little camera for mucking around with so we shall see pop me i think i've still got one roll i think of um neopan 1600 so if i have that needs to i'll have to shoot that because that's tradition at this point i knew you would i knew you were going to say that and i can't for the life of me think why but when you said when you paused there i thought he's gonna say neopan yeah it's. I think every time I've been there, I've I've managed to somehow end up with a roll of neopan in the camera. So, um, if not though, I'll take some, um, HP five and ramp that up to sixteen hundred because it's quite handy having that speed as the as the light goes down. It's nice to be able to just keep on shooting. But I'm I'm really looking forward to it because it's always such a fun collection of people there. It's great. It's one of my favourite things to do every year. Cool. Definitely. Will you de- will you take the, your Instax wide for me, Graham? Because I, I feel like we need to keep the love for Instax wide alive, so it keeps it keeps it being produced. You know, with the square coming out and all that kind of thing. And yeah, um, yeah I want to still be able to use my Instax wide cameras because they give you such a lovely sized image, and I've always found them to be much more reliable than the minis. So I think uh, yeah, if if you can take that, and we'll we'll try and uh, save save Instax wide. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Cause, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but it, it it is becoming the sort of the um the old man out, isn't it? It's the one. I don't want to just... shoot with a printer. Is what I don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be forced into shoot with a printer. <laughs> okay, I, I I will make an effort to get some film and Thank take you. my instax why with you. Then. <laughs> Thanks, Graham. have some important business to conduct people it is time for the next theme for the cheap shots challenge Yay! <laughs> ah, i'm so excited about this because so far it's two one two one well that's true that's true uh but given that um given that you've now beaten me at both the things i'm supposed to be good at <laughs> I'm sure it's time for me to win a consolation round. You won the street photography one, didn't you? You won that first one. I did, It was the nature one that I won, and then the portraiture one. (laughs) That still makes me laugh when I think about it. Ah, yeah, the cheap shots challenge. So um, a quick recap um, for any new listeners uh, or any listeners who have just uh, blanked it from their minds. The point of the Cheap Shots Challenge is to prove that shooting film does not have to be expensive. So what we want you to do uh, is go out and find a cheap, cheap camera from either a thrift shop or eBay or hold of one. The budget is about 
20 pounds, which is about $20 at this point. It's made it real easy with the pound crashing to figure out those numbers. Um, get a cheap camera, get some film, and then every few months we um, draw a topic out of the hat. So, so far we've had street photography, we've had um, animals. Uh, yeah, what's just animals and wildlife, wasn't it, the second one? Yeah, it was indeed, yep. And most recently, we had portraiture. Um, and actually, that's a, just a very quick shout out I want to give to uh, Dave, our good friend Dave Arino, a nine on um, Instagram, who uh, a little bit late, but he has just posted up um, his picture for the last Cheap Shots Challenge, which in traditional day style is a lovely double exposure. And it's a picture of me and one of my cameras. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you probably haven't seen that yet, Aid, but uh, it's pretty great. No, is that um, your constructor camera? Is that it your is construction? My camera, yeah. ah, I haven't thrown wow. it at a wall yet. Um, so this yes, is why I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and the idea is that once you've got your camera, you stick with that camera through thick and thin. So, um, Aid and I both got our cameras at the beginning of this. Uh, I got a lovely uh, Instax, not Instax, blimey, got Instax on the brain, Olympus IS-1000, which is a beautiful um, bridge camera with lovely line, sleek styling. Um, it's great. It's a real delight, and everybody loves it for its great beauty. Um, Aid, it is your little uh, Voigtlander Vitaret still functional? No, sad, sadly not. It's, oh, no. uh, it's uh, well, it, it could be. So, so the thing is that I can't get the battery cover to to screw in. Uh, I, I think something is as as broken off inside it, uh, um, which means that it won't thread properly. So I can't get any power into it, basically. Um, so at the moment, I'm intending to undertake this next round with uh, my accidental backup camera. Uh, which is of course the Pentax Auto 110 so uh, it still was very very cheap and uh, it still is a 110 <laughs> camera and still fully automatic so uh, I think it's, it's, it's as close it's as close to the original ethos as I could keep it no that's fair enough it's still very nearly as bad an idea as your original purchase was so well, um, i could go out and buy something else i mean since no no, no 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 in the last no. two or three months everybody <laughs> that i've seen buying more cameras has been picking up like proper slrs for ten dollars and stuff like that so um so oh yeah yeah absolutely i've certainly picked up um slr kits for about 10 quid in the last well six months or so um rachel you when you were last on um you'd picked up one camera but i have a feeling you've been that in favor of something else what did you, you pick up what was it it was some big right. funky thing it was it was this insane kind of yellow and green and blue well it's actually called the big yellow camera <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the actual box said the big yellow camera um and it came complete with a roll of kodak uh, gold um the camera itself a little bag uh or the instruction booklet which had some lovely little pictures in um and uh, and the batteries um so the batteries had gone off um i put the film in and obviously i had shot with that and i was all very excited about uh, developing it got it developed there was nothing on it it was so it must have literally been kept for maybe the last 30 years next to radiator or something it was <laughs> there was 
absolutely I could just about make out I knew that it had actually worked but I could only just make out at such a tiny they were so thin these negatives there was just no point even scanning them I tried my hardest but I could not get anything out of that unfortunately um but I do still have the camera, which was, it was three pound for the box, basically, with with the camera and its its little kit uh, all together. So uh, so Wait, I was you... like, well, I can't grumble at that, you know. I'll put a I'll put um, a new role in that, and uh, and off I go. So yeah, I've just been waiting for a new theme. Perfect. So you're well. And I have seen plenty of people posting um, that they have picked up cameras for the Cheap Shot Challenge. Um, we said before about Gutterman, and uh, he picked up a camera last time, just a little bit late um, for the last challenge. Although I think he did get some nice shots in the end, but um, after we judged. Um, I don't know that David Weevil's been saying he's got cameras that he's been picking up. So there's lots of people have picked up cameras and if you haven't picked up a camera yet it is not too late um the only thing we want is don't use one you've already got um like it doesn't matter how much of a garbage camera it is in fact in some ways the more garbage the better i'm a big fan of people doing great things with garbage cameras um and then once you've got your camera and you've got your pictures, then we'll well we'll talk about where you share them afterwards. Anyway, the all important thing is what's going to be the theme. Um, so the selection of themes. Uh, I originally we pulled this list from the selection of um, headings on 500px, all of their sort of the breakdown of their different galleries, and we wrote them all down, put them in the Holger box, the lovely plastic cardboard Holger box, and. Um, so considering we've already had portraiture and street photography, it makes you wonder what kind of <laughs> random things we've got. But there's still quite a few bits. Okay, right. Uh, <clears throat> okay, got one. Right. Can I have a drum roll, please? <laughs> great. Okay. Ooh. Oh God. Oh no. The topic for the next Cheap Shots Challenge is macro photography. That's Ooh. macro photography. Oh, We're getting up close and personal, people. Hmm. That's going to be a fun one. See, your little camera aid, that focus is pretty close. I mean, I and within this, listen, guys, I know that there are people out there who are going to go, well, true macro is this and that. Look, let's call it close-up <laughs> yeah, we're not in that territory, are we? <laughs> we're, we're, this is close-up photography. We will we will appreciate you. Do, do the best that you can. Uh, extra points for people who who get magnifying glasses and go the extra mile with that. Um, but, yeah, uh, that should be pretty good fun. I, I think that's a good one. That is good. good. Yeah, that Rachel. is interesting. I, not, I have no idea what the minimum focusing distance on my camera is, but I'm pretty sure it's longer than necessary, longer than it wants to be right now. <laughs> yeah, but it gets pretty close up. It does get pretty close up. So you know, um, I mean, it's a challenging one because some cameras just don't focus very close. Nope. But you know, you I'm... might be able to come up with some good workarounds for it. I was just having a quick look at mine. Um, I'm just having a look at the photo that I put up on Instagram of it in all its glory as the big yellow camera. And uh, I can see that in the camera instructions section, it says pictures should be taken from a minimum of uh, 1.2 metres away. <laughs> Yay! Well, you're going to need to get creative with that then, Rach. You're going to need to think of some way to overcome that problem. I'm thinking magnifying glass. Magnifying glass, yes. Yeah. I, I was, okay. That should be I, I was out with my um, 
I'm not out, but I, I was trying to grab a picture with my um, the camera I've been using for my project at the weekend, and I couldn't quite focus close enough, so I just unscrewed the lens a bit. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fine. Just get a bit of extra focal length that way. Um, so you know, there's there's ways. I remember when we was when I was last speaking to Dave, he bought these um, weird lenses, just not as in camera lenses, just weird lumps of glass that he used to do some weird stuff with. So, you know, there's, there's ways of um, very cheaply getting closer to stuff. Uh, but I think that's a good one. So macro photography, guys, um, this, this will run for a, a few weeks, as it always does. Um, <laughs> At least. <laughs> an ill-defined number of weeks. Um but get shooting for this and share your pictures basically wherever you want to share them. I mean, we will see them on Instagram. We can see them on Flickr, on Twitter. Um, that's about it, really. Oh, and on the Pixelated Photographer website as well. Um, and just if you're using any of the social media places like Instagram or Twitter or Flickr, um, hashtag them cheap shots challenge and then we can find them and then. Um, at the end of the period, we will give you warning to when it's going to end. Um, it'll be when we've got around to doing it. So that's why it's an ill-defined number of weeks because it often takes us longer than anybody else to take pictures for it. Um, but we'll have somebody awesome come on and look at the pictures and cast their expert eye. Who do we know that knows about macro photography? Hmm. We'll have to think that find... through. I'm sure there must be some people that we know that know something we'll... about macro photography. Yeah. Or oh, we'll have to find some interesting new people. Okay, there's another thing. Anybody out there who's already shooting awesome macro film photography, um, get in touch. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what comes up from this. This uh, I, There will be bonus points awarded for getting real up close and personal with stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, great. Uh, hashtag cheap shots challenge share your pictures share if you're picking up a new camera for it this is the first time you're trying it share your pictures of your cameras and um, just let us know what you're doing for this and we will talk about your pictures and we will be very pleased to see them um, let's try and get a record number of people taking part this month that record doesn't have to be terribly high to be broken I don't think <laughs> I think I think if we manage five in the one month we'll probably be breaking the record at that point uh, okay all right I'm gonna go away and do some plotting then and some planning and some scheming because I clearly got some ground to make up this time around yeah you have you had one picture for last month didn't you uh it was not yeah 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 let, let, let's not let's not talk about it let's not talk about it. right okay all right moving on moving on quick break and we're going to come back with some shout outs Time for then some shout outs for this week and uh, I'm happy to report that Graham is sitting on an enormous pile of emails. I certainly am. We've got more emails from our awesome listeners. Um, the first one is actually one that we should have read out uh, quite a while ago. This is a bit of an old one, and apologies to Alex for coming to this a bit late. This is an email from Alex Bedwell, and um, it's perfect because we've got our northern correspondent on here um, to help us, perhaps help us with this one. So Alex says the podcast i listened to it in chunks on my way to work uh, since you are infinitely less irritating than chris evans um which i think is being uh less wet than the atlantic ocean um 
Anyways, I wanted to ask about film photo clubs and film meetups. I've seen a few people blogging about them, but I just wondered if you knew of any people who regularly organize them. I'm based near Manchester, so there must be something. Big cities are what it's all about, right? Uh, I love shooting film, processing film, and talking to people about it. So I want more. Uh, much love, Alex. Um, any advice, Rachel, as Northern correspondent? Uh, gosh, um, sure. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do some meet up. I'll sort something out. We can we can definitely go and do some photo walks or uh, have a catch up over the cameras. Definitely. There you go. Perfect. So, um, uh, it's well, only I'm, Manchester, right? That's just down the road. So there you go. No well, I, I will, you know, so there you go. Alex, get into, I don't know whether Alex is, um, I'm not is sure. Alex on Instagram? Is, I don't know. It's an well, email, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Alex, um, drop us an email if you're on Instagram or on Twitter, just get in touch with Rachel on there. Um, or if not, I'll just, you know, if you're okay, I'll just pass your email on to Rachel and then um, she can start stalking you. So yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds like good fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I mean, in general, um, for things like that, um, the, what was the, um, website that's just dropped out of my brain completely a meetup that's the one we use when we organize that yes. photo walk wasn't it yes. that's a good place to look um for people doing stuff i think it's certainly the broadest net to cast isn't it yeah so if you if you don't know anybody in your area check that out and whilst you might not necessarily find film photography groups if you find some photo groups there you may well find people in there who are into film photography and then you can kind of go on from there and do more stuff so i think elbow your way in you know get and then you can shoehorn in a bit of analog once you're in you know that's the thing that's the way to do it also um obviously up here um for for alex specifically go to the open eye gallery it's the photographic gallery in the northwest so you know if he pops along there or gets in touch with them um they'll they'll let him know about events that are coming up if he just follows those online or gets in touch Perfect. Great advice. Okay, the next email is one we actually have teams to thank Rachel for. This oh. is really good timing. And this is an email entitled, I wish I got the sound bite for this, uh, Flash. Ah! And it's, <laughs> from, it's from Mark Hickford, M0MJH. Or M- that, that does sound familiar, actually. Hang on. m 0 um, yes M- yes 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 mark yes we had a conversation uh, right now it's making sense <laughs> oh, yes we had a conversation on twitter ah, he's, um, yeah. he's a radio uh, broadcaster in cambridge and we'd ended up having a, a little chat about certain things and i was like suddenly 16 you need to have a listen to the podcast blah 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 we were talking about something specific and i said oh i'd chatted to you guys about it on here so there we go that's what that's where that came from so i can say i can say hi to mark as well because mark has been uh, uh following our twitter feed recently as well so i've seen him pop up in a few of our conversations so yes now we, now awesome. we join the dots that's good well yeah. you've been more active on twitter lately so yeah that's it's um now people can really get and get the full aid experience on twitter <laughs> way mark I have been into film photography for most of my life, but have got a lot more into it in the last year and a bit. I mostly shoot on 120 film with a range of different cameras from a Kodak Brownie, a Kodak Kodak folding camera, Kodak, um, Mm -hmm. 
a Mamiya 645 and a Hasselblad 500cm. I'm trying to figure out how I work out what to set my flash unit, a modern Yongnuo YN563, to for a proper exposure on a Hasselblad 500cm. It has a PC sync cord, so can be triggered, but I'm not sure how you choose what power, strength, etc. you'd choose for something like fill-in flash. Sorry for the rambling. If you need any more info, email me back or I'm on Twitter as at... Is that a zero or an O, guys? I think it's a zero. Okay, it's a zero. Yeah. Okay. M0MJH. Okay, so Aid, over to you to answer that question because <laughs> I ain't got a Scooby. Okay, so I have a drawer full of 560 Mark III's, uh, so that, that, that's, that's quite, uh, quite useful. So... Um, so either this will be uh, attached to to the camera in a, in a manual mode, uh, or it'll be uh, triggered by a radio. But e- either way, the set the 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 power settings are um, no, yeah, w- would be the same. It doesn't matter how you trigger it. Um, I think my 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 best advice for somebody who's coming new to flash would simply be to do a few test exposures with a digital camera, uh, where you can instantly see uh, through the histogram on the back of your camera whether or not you're getting a good exposure, or even just looking at the thing and seeing whether you like the look of it. Um, the broad, broadly speaking, um, uh, yeah, when I'm starting out uh, with uh, a, a, an exposure for a flash. Um, I'll, I'll start out at something along the lines of f8 and about uh, a quarter power on the flash uh, and move up and down from there uh, you know uh, open the aperture further if you want the flash to have more impact close it down if you want it to have less impact uh, or equally you can change the power on the flash itself um, if you happen to have a flash meter and know how to use it uh, great even better uh, but failing that uh, a digital camera is definitely the best way to go to learn about what impact the flash is going to have um, having said that um, i would just say that if you're taking a portrait of somebody um, get the light as close to them as you possibly can um, without getting it in the frame unless of course that's your editorial choice uh, and uh, that will make the nice uh, the, the light look uh, softest and uh, most flattering to your subject um, not sure quite what else i can say uh, to that at the moment um, i'm unaware i don't have a hasselblad so i'm unaware if there are any particular considerations for triggering flashes from a hasselblad um no he's got a pc sync cord so oh sorry maybe you could okay. speak to um maybe you could speak to m about that perhaps because he has a hasselblad obviously doesn't he um so that might be something he yes. could uh, oh. send send emulsive uh, a message about Yes. So what I would say is that you should be able to synchronize your flash at any speed with a, a Hasselblad 500 series because they have leaf shutter lenses. Leaf shutter, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and so any shutter speed should be fine. So there won't be a, a maximum sync speed. Uh, with the 563 flash, I don't think they have a PC socket in them. Um, so you're going to need that radio trigger uh let's think about how to do that so you can buy from 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 uh any electrical retailer be they amazon or ebay or wherever you like you can buy uh pretty cheap uh triggers uh very basic ones that would simply just act as a trigger no extra bells or whistles or functionality um you make sure you buy one where the transmitter accepts a, a pc sync input and then the the radio should take care of the rest 
Um, Can I ask one dumb, dumb question? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, using the digital camera to check the exposure seems like the most sensible thing. Because obviously that's what people used to do in the past with Polaroid um, film. They used to stick a Polaroid back on, fire a shot off, and then check to see that the lighting was right in it. Um, But using um, a digital camera, which is going to have for most of us a a crop sensor on there or maybe a full frame but obviously that's still gonna be 35 millimeter as opposed to a six by six does that size difference make a difference to how much flash you need or is the exposure still is the amount of flash still going to be the same for um an image on a crop sensor camera as it is on a six by six frame on the Hasselblad no I I I find that they are identical cool cool so uh yeah it doesn't matter that you haven't got a digital Hasselblad to <laughs> to to check the exposure for your film Hasselblad. Um you know it, FA in that sense and I know there are different and I know there's things called equivalent apertures and stuff like that but it, it, in that sense um F8 is F8 um and uh, you you shouldn't find that, that there's any difficulties. So yes, yeah, so uh, just so so there shouldn't be any difficulties with the exposure side of it. With the triggering, uh, find a trigger, possibly a cheap radio trigger from eBay. Uh, often they come directly from China, uh, and uh, that will um, allow you to use the PC Sync uh, cable to trigger your flash. Uh, if you fancy going immediately for something that is maybe a bit more robust, I use the Photix triggers. Um, when I'm not using the uh, the Yongnuo radio trigger itself, I don't think the Yongnuo radio trigger that I have actually has uh, a PC Sync input. I think it's only triggerable from a hot shoe. So what you would need is a a uh, a, a trigger a transmitter trigger device f- for the camera and a receiver device for the flash itself. And the receiver device will have a hot shoe on it, so it'll be able to trigger the flash. Uh, and as I say, I use I started off some years ago with some very very cheap Chinese uh, direct you know eBay jobbies. Uh, when they eventually broke, as cheap things do, I bought Photix ones that were a little bit more expensive but considerably more robust, and they still work perfectly well to this day. Cool, that's awesome. Uh, we we learn something new every time we talk about Flash, and I'm pretty Ooh. sure at least some of it sticks in my brain. Not very much. <laughs> yeah, you've got to practice it. I know, I know. Well, I'll get around to it. Um, final email is from friend of the show, John Burns. Um, I always love getting John's updates. So um, it says, hi, Aid and hi, Graham. Uh, episode 54 was great. Was that last week? <laughs> I think it was. I'm so lost <laughs> with what Who am I? <laughs> um, keep them coming. I may not be in Australia or Canada, but hopefully your Somerset listeners count too. You know what, John? Somerset listeners more than count because I was born in Taunton. Somerset Massive. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> I have added a few more pictures to the Sunny 16 Flickr group, which uh, we need to do a roundup on uh, aid real soon. And maybe we'll get there next week. Uh, I hope you like them. Referring to gas as we were last week, um, it seems that my eBay habit does get the better of me at times. Um, And I managed to win an auction last night for a Sigma Sigma 24mm lens for my OM-1 for only a little bit more than I bargained for quite a bit more um <laughs> i have been really tempted to pick up a super wide for my um om1 uh i haven't done yet i've actually i've been really good i've been steering clear of ebay 
for a while now I, I tend to go in phases and um yeah at the moment i'm having a just don't look phase um anyway he goes on to say a redundant 28 millimeter lens will have to go to claim some of that cash back i am about to start developing for the first time <gasps> since my father showed me the process almost 40 years ago yes <laughs> yay good for you john this is awesome developing film is so much fun and it's so easy and it saves you so much money it has all of these things going for it and you can just do it whenever you want exactly exactly i find it far harder to post film off than i do to develop it and i can prove that by the fact that i have a roll of 110 film that i shot in the camera that i gave back to aid many months ago still sat in an envelope in my kitchen so um uh anyway john goes on i'm just waiting on a couple of measuring beakers courtesy of amazon and i'll be ready to go with some exposed fp4 plus keep up the good work thank you very much john um yeah it's great to hear that you're getting back into developing uh everyone should be at least having a go at it because it is really easy and it doesn't take up much space and it's just fun it's just fun um and anyway finally uh, that's all the emails for today keep your emails coming in we always love getting them i love seeing them pop up um uh we also have an itunes review um one of the beautiful and rare itunes reviews and this one is from another friend of the show uh the heading on here is from uh this underscore analog underscore life which is luke banfield who also sent us an email last week so luke's really hitting all the bases here um thank you very much for your itunes review the first one in australia um room on our itunes page in australia for more reviews uh, to be honest there's there's plenty more room on all of the country's pages for our itunes reviews so don't ever feel like there's just that you'd be crowding out any um but yeah itunes reviews are fantastic they they really help us out it's really difficult to get people to listen to our nonsense i can't imagine why um but having reviews on there just means that people if they actually find the podcast on itunes or the i apple podcast apple whatever the heck it's called these days um having the reviews on there means it's more likely they'll give it a go so if you have five minutes and you can be bothered and i completely understand if you can't but if you do drop us a review on itunes it does help us out um and uh, thank you very much to everybody who has done your kind words always uh, really make me feel great and uh, slightly bemused that people enjoy this at all times but um, thank you very much okay all good stuff thank you yes thank you everybody for your reviews and for your emails and your correspondence now a uh, couple of things here uh, next on the list from Rachel Rachel I understand you're going to be uh, having at least two jobs this coming weekend <laughs> Yes, you know me. Uh, nothing like a nothing like a challenge, is there? <laughs> um, so I'm going to be at the Liverpool Make Fest 2017. It's happening at our beautiful central library. I'm very excited to be doing that. It's a, a one-day festival celebrating all things makey. Um, there's going to be over 200 makers showcasing science, technology, crafts, creations, inventions and gadgets and hands-on activities. So one of the jobs I'll be doing is running a little vintage photography stall, which will be um, uh, introducing people to the art of uh, sun photography or cyanotypes, as, as they're known. Um, and the other one will be working with um, some uh, mentoring some some younger people uh, in 
producing video uh, and digital side of things. So, uh, so I'm going to have at least two different hats on on Saturday, um, but it should be lots of fun, and uh, and they're a great a great group of people that I'll be working with. So that's um, LiverpoolMakeFest.org. If anybody's around, um, perhaps anybody in the northwest come along and say hi. Excellent. Awesome. That I sounds... wish I was close enough to go and visit, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be lovely. Maybe one day, maybe one day. <laughs> yes, okay. And I think you also wanted to remind us about something that we were talking with Emma about last week. On the, on, that's right. Given that it is, we're recording here on the 19th, and yes. actually we're very quickly, excuse me, we are very quickly approaching the summer solstice. That's right. So um, I believe Em was talking last week, uh, Em from Emulsive, obviously, uh, about uh, the summer solstice and the fact that he wanted to do a push to get people doing uh, starting their solography off on the 21st, uh, which is the summer solstice. And which then obviously the you'll leave it. Sorry? That's the day this podcast will come out. So if you listen yes. to that today, that's yes. today. Um, and uh, I think the idea being you would leave it for them for your six months until the next solstice, in which case uh, you then would uh, you would then scan scan in your image, your beautiful images that you'll have created over that six months. Yep, we've. This is the you know people might think that we're just um, you know al- alcoholics out here swigging away. The only reason that we have been <laughs> drinking this evening is so we can empty out these um, cider cans because uh, Somerset. Um, to make, I've actually, I've actually got on right in front of me. I've got the one empty cider can that I've just uh, carefully emptied for use of making a camera of, obviously, and one next to it with a piece of paper in, ready to be nailed up somewhere to make a picture for the next six months. So I'm all ready to go. Nobody just told to... me we were supposed to be drinking canned cider. <laughs> oh, are you <laughs> using the bottles? Oh dear. Um, just, just a quick point about the uh, doing the solography is. Just be aware of where you're putting your cameras, your beer cans that are covered in black gaffer tape and potentially might not look necessarily like beer cans. There have been a few incidences where uh, roads and bridges have been shut down and things because uh, they look like suspicious objects. So uh, just a quick note to uh, to preempt that and let's just say uh, be sensible about where you're placing your solography cams. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, to, given that given that we live in a country that's currently going completely nuts, I think that's very yeah. sound advice. And we, yeah, you know, sad though it is, we we need to be mindful of stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, looking forward to doing that and starting some of those off. And I think um, if you do more than one, you're going to have hopefully a higher hit rate. I think you were talking, Graham, weren't you, about how one of yours had already fallen off something and so yeah. you're, you're relying on your other ones instead so yeah and that one wasn't pointing uh towards the sun, so. sun. <laughs> <laughs> that's another pro tip if you're doing slogby <laughs> the um art of capturing the sun in your pictures make sure you're pointing it towards the sun because if you're not um, i mean you'll still get a picture you will yeah. still get a picture but you will not get the funky light trails um but as i said last week it's just hard finding places where you can attach a can that's pointing in the right direction has something interesting in the frame that is unlikely to get disturbed um it's tricky uh, as that classic song says but um yeah at the end of the day all it's going to cost you is a can of cider that you've had to drink and a piece of photographic paper so it's pretty low impact you may as well just as rachel said do loads of them and you might get one good one out of there 
Okay, well, there we go. Something to a call to action for everybody there. Right. So I will also be busy this weekend. Uh, on Saturday, it is the London Photo Walk being organised by uh, Martin and Sandeep, uh, listeners and uh, f- and uh, film shooting colleagues from Twitter. So uh, Martin and Sandeep have got uh, this thing happening on Saturday. Uh, it's going to include uh, the, the route for the photo walk. It's actually going to include a place that I've spoken about um, with quite some photographic love, which is a church in London called St Dunstan's, uh, which happens to be on my commute. But that, that's uh, uh, we're going to meet up in some slightly touristy places, uh, go on a walk through uh, London, the city of London, and end up in some more sort of trendy hipster market type uh, Shoreditch kind of places I think so there's going to be something for everybody whether you like markets and street shooting or whether you want to do portrait shooting in a bombed out church or whether you want to take uh, photographs of iconic buildings um, anybody who can make it to London uh, should do so um, Martin is at Westen30 W-E-S-T-E-N three zero on twitter and uh if you look at his uh twitter feed he currently has a pinned tweet at the top of his feed uh to his website uh which url i will not read out because it's too long but will be in the show notes and stop sniggering because there are actually some show notes more on that in a minute uh and uh sandeep uh, better known sometimes uh, certainly on twitter as uh, give me a biscuit uh, so um, I'm I'm going to go out on Saturday and meet a genuine cookie monster. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous that you're going to do this and that I won't be able to be there. I mean, obviously I'll be having a lovely time on Saturday doing what I'm doing, but um, it would be so nice to uh, to meet up with you all. That'd be really good. Well, maybe I'll, one day. I'll be working, so that's to both of you. Oh. I'll be getting real hot gardening, so. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that brings us to the close of this show. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I would like to say uh, thank you very much to Rachel for joining us this week. You're most welcome. It's been lovely to chat again. And um, oh, there was sorry just just before we go. Sorry, I had to interrupt. Um, for anybody going to Shanghai uh, in China, just one thing about. Um, taking your film cameras there are x-ray machines everywhere they have to you have to put them through the x-ray machines on uh, if you're getting on the tube if you're going into shops if you're going into tourist places so um yeah i have to say mine went through you've seen the uh, the images i think graham and aid today uh, that i put up and there doesn't seem to be that much of an issue from them having gone through maybe 30 odd x-ray machines (laughs) during the time i was in shanghai in a week so uh so they seem to be okay but um just something to bear in mind yes thank you yeah okay good good one no they said they don't seem to be any artifacts there at all which is great so uh tell you what then what i was going to say was uh where would you like people to go and see your work on the internet but that's a good segue isn't it because people can (laughs) go and see your shanghai photos on your website they can. That that would be lovely. Um, it's littlevintagephotography.co.uk um, and it will be in the portfolio section. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so uh, on to uh, other thanks. Uh, we always like to say thanks uh, to Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for hosting the conversation. Uh, we have uh, a marvellous band called Rocha. Have I got the pronunciation of that right? 
That sounds great to me, Abe. Well done. Okay, all right. I'm glad. That, now, now that that's the first time I've had to do that so with you actually on the show. I've never had to give you the music credit while you've been here before. So, okay. So everybody, check out Rachel's band Rocha, who provide the music for our show. Their latest album is called Promises I Should Have Kept, and is available on Amazon or iTunes. Now, here's the thing. Often, uh, I say thanks to Bill for the show notes and then we all go a bit quiet and graham makes some sort of pathetic excuse uh, the eagle-eyed amongst you will have noticed that this week in the metadata on the podcast download we had a whole bunch of show notes uh, all the urls all the instagram and twitter handles the people that we talked about all in the metadata for your podcast download. Now, I use uh, an iPhone and it certainly came through on the Apple Podcasts app. Um, Graham, have you found that it came through okay for you? Um, uh, hang on a second. I will have a look. Check. <laughs> well, no, I checked. I checked. It, it did come up on the iTunes store, so I'm sure it came through fine. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it should make it much easier um, to, yeah, hopefully... <laughs> From now on, at the very least, we'll have those up, and so people can get access. Thank you, Aid, because you did that. Um, and so I want to say um, thank you very much for bringing with us, Bill. Whilst you felt it, and Bill, if you feel like helping us deal with the backlog, because um, we now have a really good way of getting these, your help would be much appreciated. But uh, aside from that, I, we're going to talk about next week, Aid. We're going to do a quick catch up on where we're at with our projects, aren't we? And just as a um, sort of preview, uh, not preview, precursor to that, I want to say that Bill, who has been doing a project for the last six months um, at words100.blogspot.com, um, has stuck with his incredibly well. And I would recommend anybody goes to that place, uh, words100.blogspot.com, to see all the writing that Bill has been doing um, every month or every, I think it's every week for the last five six months now um there's a photo and a piece of writing with each one and they're fantastic and uh, next week i'm going to read i've done it once before i'm going to read another piece of bill's work uh, so look forward to that people it's gonna be great i'm gonna have a good look through and pick which one i'm gonna read um, it certainly is great work i haven't checked into to bill's site for a, a while now but uh the stuff that was there last time i was there was pretty awesome so uh you know thanks bill for persevering with graham's lack of effort on the show notes um and uh you know uh listeners we will be having uh, more information in the metadata so you should see it on this episode and future shows as well right to say goodbye then uh, you can get in touch with us on instagram on twitter uh, on Flickr, and even on gmail all of which are sunny 16 podcast uh, really looking forward to hearing more from you i'm enjoying the impromptu conversations about kids spending online money about whiskey uh, general mucking around conversations on twitter um, i i know that graham is uh, it, it, pains me to say this in some ways but graham is slightly more focused in his conversations on the instagram account <laughs> well i mean occasionally occasionally okay all right listen guys uh thank you very much for listening we will see you next week goodbye bye bye, bye. <laughs>